0: Hey, good morning! Welcome to River Ridge Church, uh, wherever you are watching on your phone, on your tablet, on your computer, on a big screen. Glad that you are spending some time this morning with River Ridge Church. Uh, So 2020, uh, the first week of 2020 has been absolutely bizarre. Uh, I mean, when I turned on the TV on uh, Wednesday afternoon and saw all that was going on, it was was mind-boggling. Uh, to see the, the capital being stormed and, and all that was happening there, was just crazy. I saw a meme um, a little bit later, and uh, that really caught my attention. It says this: uh, it "says I'd like to cancel my subscription for 2021. I've experienced the seven-day trial, and I'm not interested." <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. You know, I don't know what 2021 is going to bring for you uh, or bring for any of us really, but here's what I do know, is that when we walk through life, whether it's great seasons or hard seasons, difficult, boring, exciting, whatever, full, we need to walk through life with other people. And so I would encourage you, get involved in a small group at River Ridge. Get involved in a Ridge group. It will be a great decision to help You walk through life as people come alongside you to encourage you, to challenge you, to help you. And then you're also there for other people as well to help them to walk through life and the difficulties that they face. So I encourage you to do that. You can do that by clicking the link in the comment section right now or you can uh, email jteodoro at riverridge.org. Either one of those will get you connected to uh, a small group. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we have this opportunity um, to look into your word, to learn, to learn from you. And God, I pray that you would speak to us right now, that you would show us the things in our lives that you want us to adjust and to figure out, uh, and that we would hear from you. And God, we also do pray for our nation uh, going forward and for unity. And um, God, we just place that in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning we are continuing our sermon series titled, What's Up? Or, What's Up? If you want to pronounce it like that. Uh, But what this series is about is we're talking about key relationships in our lives. And that all of us in life, we want to experience peace. We want to experience contentment. But we also recognize that Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble. But yet, in the midst of the trouble that we experience, if these five key relationships in our lives are going reasonably well, we can experience some peace in our lives, some contentment in our lives. And so what we're doing is we're focusing for these five weeks in January on these particular key relationships. And as we do this, it's really um, kind of an examination type of series uh, where every week we're looking at this theme, this idea of here, here, to there. The first thing we do is we define reality say, where is here in this relationship? What is going on right now? Being honest with ourselves. And then we say, okay, what is there? Where does God want us to go in this relationship? And then kind of figuring out how do we get from here to there? And so we start with here. Where are things now? And then where am I going? And Where is God taking me? Now, last week the message was titled, Me and God. And um, so one of the things that I love about my wife, and you can take love in quotations any way you want, uh, but one of the things I love about my own wife is that she gives me uh, feedback on my sermons. And so sometimes when she is doing that, um, usually it's because I have pushed the envelope too far, and she'll come and say, Matt, you can't say that. I'm like, really? And she's like, no, you can't say that. I'm like, okay, I won't. Um, uh, but this past week, uh, she gave me some real-time feedback. And so we're sitting on our couch watching the, the service, just as you're doing. And, uh, and she said, Matt, me and God is not grammatically correct and, you know, she kind of turns into the grammar police, and she's very good at grammar. And so, uh, but I wasn't really in the mood to take it. And I'm like, well, I, I like it. And uh, and so for some of you, when I say me and God, it's like fingers on the chalkboard because you're kind of part of the grammar police. Um, I know that it's not grammatically correct. It should be God and me, or it should be God and I, uh, if it's the beginning of a sentence the end of a sentence, and direct and indirect objects, and all that stuff I don't get. So... If that offends you, I apologize. Uh, However, I like the parallelism because we're talking about me and God, me and my spouse. Next week is me and my money, then me and my friends, and then me and my kids. And so there's a parallelism that I kind of like it, even if that is a bit grammatically incorrect. So if you missed last week... Uh, we talked about me and God. We talked about our relationship with God. And I gave you five questions to help you evaluate where are you in your relationship with God? Where are you in your walk with God? And then where is God taking you? Or where do you want that to go? This morning, the title is Me and My Spouse. Now, if you're single, before you click away and say, you know, I'm going to watch the other Matt. I'm going to watch the Matt from The Bachelor season 25 instead of the sermon uh, hang with me for just a minute and see if I can convince you to stay and watch, even if you're single. And, and here's what I want to say, is if you're single, at some point in the future, it's quite likely that you are going to get married. And what we're going to talk, and it may be in the near future, it may be in the distant future, but what we're going to talk about are foundational things for a marriage. And these foundational things are things that you are going to want in your relationship with your future spouse, your future husband, your future wife down the road. And so I would encourage you to pay attention now so that you can have a good foundation for your marriage whenever that happens into the future. The other thing is when we talk about this me and my spouse and we're going to ask some questions, if you're single, um, four out of five of these questions actually will help you and can be applied fairly um, easily to friendships. And you can kind of look at it from that angle. Um, and I would also say this. If you are single, uh, probably the best sermon series that I've ever heard on anything, not just on singleness or marriage, is called New Rules for Love, Sex, and Dating. Uh, it's by Andy Stanley. There's a book, there's a sermon series, you can listen to podcasts. Uh, but if you're single and have never heard that, listen to that, watch that, read that book, I encourage you to do one of those to get that information. It is absolutely fantastic. When it comes to marriage— our church has the gamut of marriages. We have all kinds of different marriages represented in our church. There are some of you that you're in a marriage that you'd say is kind of a mismatched marriage, that you're really following after God and following and pursuing Christ, but your husband or your wife really isn't, and you're kind of alone in this spiritual journey. There are some of you that as you look at your marriage, you say, we have a pretty good marriage. It's it's not perfect. We, you know, we have our share of issues. But for the most part, it is a life-giving marriage marriage. There are some of you that as you look at your marriage, it's been kind of disappointing that when you got married, you had these great expectations of what life and marriage would look like But over time, marriage has become more and more difficult, and it's not easy, and it's not as fun as what you thought it would be. And it could be maybe there's something that's come into your marriage that's made it harder. Maybe kids have added just an incredible difficulty to your marriage, or an overwhelming job has added something, or maybe an addiction. But there are things that have come into your marriage that have made it incredibly hard at this season of life. And I also recognize that there are some marriages out there that— Your marriage is hanging on by a thread. Like it's just, you're barely married. You live in the same house, but that's about it. And you're even wondering, should I give it up or should we keep pursuing this thing? And we have this gamut of the marriages in our church. But here's the thing, is this message, it's an evaluation of how are me and my spouse doing and so it really, it's going to apply to every situation of marriage. Because again, what it is, it's here to there. So you may look at your marriage and you say, well, our marriage is, it's not good. Like I would probably score it a two. You know, you say, that's not very good. Um, but what we're going to talk about throughout the course of this message this morning are some things where we may say, well, we can take it from a two to a, a four. Or, or maybe you have a really good marriage. You say, our marriage is like a seven or maybe a, even an eight. And you look at this and we're going to talk about this and say, this is where we are. This is the here. But what would it look like for us to have a marriage that's a, a nine or a nine and a half? And, and, and how can we grow our marriage with what God's principles are laid out for us? And so no matter where you are in your marriage, figure out where here is by these questions. And then how do you get to the there that God wants you to be at? Now if you look at your outline this morning um, you'll look at it and say it's kind of weird and if you if you want to know what the outline is go to the Riverridge app, uh, click Sundays and then you can open up the outline you can fill in the, the little blanks there um, But here's the thing is you may notice that the uh, the numbering is a little bit off and you say is that kind of a misprint And it's actually not I had designed it this way and it's I realize it's a bit odd, a bit weird uh, but it's really there's just one question it's question two uh, and then there's ABC and D. Uh, and there's no question one, and there's no question three, four, five, and after that. Um, and as we get into it, you'll understand why that is. Um, but I'm going to give you a question in a moment that is, uh, is a tough question, but a good question to start with. Um, but before I do, and before I get into these questions, I do want to speak to just one Uh, group of people that if you have a marriage that is uh, a destructive marriage, if you're in a marriage that really kind of bores on an abusive marriage, I would encourage you to talk through some of the stuff maybe with a trusted friend and say, if I do these things to move my marriage from here to there, is this going to help? Or is this going to hinder it? Because there could be some cases where you're in an abusive relationship where this is not going to be a help, but it's going to be a hindrance and add to some destructive cycle. So I'd encourage you, if you feel like that, maybe you talk to a trusted friend uh, about that. So here it is. Question number two is, Do I love my spouse more than I love myself? Do I love my spouse more than I love myself? Jesus says this in John 15. Says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said that we are to love one another, and he gives himself as an example, to lay down your life for your friends. And we're talking about you're gonna lay down your life for your spouse. And what that means is you consider him or her more important than yourself. You're going to love that person more than you love yourself. Paul puts it this way in Philippians. He says, Look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. That we're really kind of good and natural at knowing what we want. But Paul says, What we want to do when we love other people more than ourselves is we want to say, How can I meet your interests? How can I meet your needs? How can I put you ahead of myself? Uh, In Ephesians, Paul is specifically talking about marriage. And he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then what follows is there's a section that that talks specifically to husbands, and then a a section that talks specifically to wives. And each of the husbands submit in one way and wives in, in, in a different way. But to the husbands, he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church when he gave himself up for her. And so, men, the way that you love your wife, the way that you submit to your wife, is that you love her as Christ loved the church. That you sacrifice your needs, your desires for her. You put her ahead of yourself. Um, so I had a I had a dream this week, and, and I'm working on the message Um and I had this dream. I think it was Tuesday night or maybe Wednesday night. And I woke up and I was panicked from this dream. And by the way, like if a pastor starts talking about dreams and y'all do this, like be a little concerned. But but walk with me here. So so I'm. I had this dream. And in the dream, Stacy says to me, "I don't want anybody to eat in the living room ever again. No drinks. No pizza. No chips. No ice cream. When in the room, in the living room, nobody." is allowed to eat there anymore. And I woke up in a panic because I've been also working on this sermon. I'm like, does that mean I have to do what she says? And so I, and you know when you wake up and you're not sure if something is like, did that happen or did I dream that? And I had to ask, I'm like, I think I dreamt this, but is it okay if I eat pizza in the living room still? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, good. But it kind of got me thinking like, that would be really hard for me. But yet, My call is to lay down my life for my wife. And then Paul addresses wives, and he says, the the role of the wife is to follow the leadership of your husband. And, And I recognize that for wives, that's not easy to do, because we as husbands are imperfect. We are flawed individuals. We're not always sensitive to the needs and understandings of our wives. But yet wives are called to submit by following the leadership of their husbands. But the end of this little verse says, Submit to one another. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. The reason that we submit to one another is not because the other person deserves it, but we submit because of what Christ has done for us, it is as reverence for Christ. It's not because Stacy deserves it, it's not because I deserve it, but I take my cue out of reverence for Christ. Now, the most important question in your marriage is, do I love my spouse more than myself? And you say, okay, well, that's the most important question. It's number two, but there's also number one. And here's the number one, and, and I, don't, I didn't put it on your outline, and you can write this down if you want. But the, really the number one question is this, is, am I growing in my relationship with God? Are you growing in your relationship with God? Because that is one of the best things that you can do. That is the best thing that you can do to grow your marriage, is have a growing relationship with God. Because it comes back to what Paul says. It says, out of reverence for Christ. The more reverence that I have for Christ— the more that I am able to love my spouse, to love my wife for me, to love her better as my relationship with Christ grows. So I would challenge you with that. How's it going with you and God? And that is part of growing your relationship with you and your spouse. So then I'm going to give you four questions, and and I labeled them 2A, 2B, 2C, and 2D. And the reason I did is because this idea of loving, of putting your spouse's need ahead of yourself, of, of loving your spouse more than yourself, it permeates all four of these questions. So 2A, do we intentionally invest in our relationship? Do we intentionally invest in our relationship? Galatians six verse seven and eight says this: it says God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So it talks about sowing to the Spirit or sowing to the flesh, and so sowing to the flesh is not what we want. To. That's when we put our own needs first, when we love ourselves more than we love our spouse. But sowing to the Spirit is when we say, I'm going to put my spouse's needs ahead of my own. And this this principle of sowing and reaping, we see this all throughout the Bible. We see this all throughout life. But when we sow to something, when we invest time and energy and effort and thought and dedication to something, whatever that is, that thing grows. That reaps a reward. That reaps a harvest. And so what this is talking about, we talk about what are we sowing to? Are you sowing into your relationship? Are you intentionally investing in your relationship with your spouse? And there's lots of different ways to do that. One of the things that Stacy and I talk about is we have shoulder-to-shoulder time and we have face-to-face time. And so face-to-face time is when we are communicating, we're doing something that we're actually physically face-to-face, where we're sitting at dinner and we're talking to one another. We're sitting on the couch and we're talking to one another. Uh, but we also do what we call shoulder-to-shoulder time. And that's when we do things together just to enjoy being together. And And for Stacy and I, there's a lot of things that we enjoy, that both of us enjoy, that we do. Uh, but there's also some things that she enjoys more that I don't as much and that I enjoy Uh, and that she doesn't as much. And part of us for shoulder to shoulder is doing some of those things that maybe is more in the other person's camp of what they like to do. Give you an example. Uh, About two or three weeks ago, uh, I went to work out with Stacy, and she loves to work out. She does boot camp or swimming or uh, lifting weights just about uh, every day, one of those two things. And so I'm it was an afternoon. I'm like, hey, I'll go to the Y with you and lift weights. And so we're lifting weights, and this is a shoulder-to-shoulder thing. She likes lifting weights. And so she has to teach me how to do everything. And God love her. The patient's trying to teach me, because I'm not a weightlifting guy and that kind of stuff. But she's teaching me. And so, you know, she's doing these squats. And she has like this huge bar, and there's these like huge weights on the end. And she's like, you know, lifting it up and doing that stuff and squatting down with it. You know, meanwhile, my bar is, well, it's just a bar. There's not actually any weights on the end of it, and I'm tottering it like this. Uh, I was sore for like a week after that. But it was one of those things that was an investment in our friendship, an investment in our marriage, and just laughing about it, and me trying to walk up the stairs with just sore legs, having to pull myself up by the banister. You know, there's been some other times where I've had some kicks that Stacy has come with me on. There's a while where I was into disc golf, right? There's a kind of a season where I would play disc golf with my boys. And and so Stacy and I had some dates in the afternoon where we'd go play disc golf. She doesn't love it, but it was fun to do it together, to build that relationship. And so the question is, are you intentionally investing in your relationship? Now, I've I've talked about this in the past, and I'll just mention it real briefly. But one of the things for Stacey and I with investing is we have a daily delay, a weekly withdrawal, and an annual abandon. Daily delay, we make sure that we spend 15, 20 minutes together, just the two of us talking. A weekly withdrawal, we make sure that we have a date night once a week, sometimes every other week if we can't squeeze it in, but we make that a priority. And then we have an annual abandon, where we get away for a night or two nights with just the two of us. Those are ways that we build into our and invest in our relationship. Now, maybe you say, hey, we'd like to do those things too, or maybe it's something different. What you do kind of depends on you, but I would say have a plan for what investing in your relationship is going to look like. Here's the second one, 2B, is do we have healthy conflict? we have healthy conflict. And I'm going to read two verses, and one of these probably applies to you, and one of them probably applies to your spouse. Ephesians 5.15 says, speak the truth in love. And then Matthew 5.9 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Now, when it comes to conflict, most of us kind of gravitate one way or the other way. Some of us gravitate towards peacemakers. Like I, and this is me, like I just want peace at all costs. I'll just kind of ignore things, sweep it under the rug, ignore things. And, and that doesn't work so well. It works a little bit for a time, but eventually it comes back to bite us. And there's you know, people who are, I'm just a peacemaker. I'm just peace at all costs. And then there's people on the other side who are, speak the truth. Like it's the truth. I don't really care if it hurts. I'm just going to speak it and say it. And if you get hurt by it, well, that's kind of your fault. And, and those are sort of the two sides of it. But it actually it says, speak the truth in love. And it's blessed are the peacemakers. It's not superficial peace, but it's true peace. And I, and I share this because it's helpful to see which side you tend to fall on and say, you know what, really healthy conflict is when we speak the truth in love and when we seek to make peace in the relationship. And so I would ask that question of you all is how do you do with that? And it comes back to this question, the main question about marriage is, do I love my spouse more than myself? Because when we go into conflict, healthy conflict, has that question at the root of it, and that helps to uh, resolve a lot of conflict if we go into it saying, I'm going to love, I'm going to serve my spouse, I'm going to do all that I can to meet his or her needs. Here's the next one. This is 2C. Is, do we have regular intimacy? Do we have regular intimacy? 1 Corinthians 7:3 says this. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. Now, I am giving this sermon to an empty auditorium. I wish that all of you were here, uh, but you're not. Uh, but when I listen to this and watch this, I'm actually be sitting next to my own children. And so I'm not going to say a whole lot about the question, do we have regular intimacy? Other than you and your spouse, you need to figure out what is regular. Have a conversation about that, you know. And I brush my teeth regularly, and I pay my utility bills regularly. Um, But regular intimacy is probably going to fall somewhere in between there. You figure it out. I'm not going to embarrass the kids sitting next to me anymore. And then here's the fourth one. This is 2D. Do we help each other grow? Do we help each other grow? James says this says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. You know, when when you got married the chances are that you had a vow, that you said vows that went something like this, that said, from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. And when it comes to marriage, we love better, we love richer, we love health. Uh, but when it comes to marriage, we don't like as much the worse, the poorer, and the sickness part. But yet marriage is all of that. And we experience the downsides, the difficult sides of that, the difficult parts of that, because God has put us together to help us grow. And so James writes, consider it pure joy when you meet trials of various kinds. And the trials that you face, some of those will be in your marriage. That it's difficult to be married. But do you look at your spouse, your husband, your wife, and do you see that person as someone who is there to help you grow. Because I promise you this, God put your husband in your life to help you grow spiritually. God put your wife in your life to help you grow spiritually. To do what this says with James, that it produces steadfastness and patience and these types of things as we grow together. You know, all of us are kind of like rocks with rough edges. Like we all have rough edges edges. And so, but if you take two rocks that have rough edges, jagged edges, and you put them in a rock tumbler, and what that rock tumbler does is it tumbles them over and over and over and over, and eventually you take those rocks out, and they're smoother because the rough edges rub off, and they rub the the rough edges off the other rock. Marriage is like a rock tumbler, that there's two people in there, and they're tumbled together, and then we rub The rough edges off of you. That's part of God's design for marriage. But again, it comes back to this overarching question of, do you love your spouse more than yourself? And if you go into it with that attitude, then you will grow. The end of this verse says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And you may be going through a marriage trial, or you may be going through some other trial that's not related to marriage at all. You're going, why am I in this? How can I do this? I don't have any joy in this. And what this says is ask God who gives wisdom. And God will show you why you're going through this trial because it's going to help to mold your character. So where is here for you in your marriage? Where would you say here is? Have a conversation with your spouse about that. And then what is the there that you'd like to get to? What does that look like? And then take those steps. And here's the thing: if you invest in your marriage, if you take these steps, if you put the other person first, you will move from here to there, wherever here is, wherever there is. But I also would say this: I, if you do nothing, it'll stay where it is. So, what steps are you going to take to make your marriage even life, even more life giving? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. For these words from the scripture thank you for marriages and i know thank you lord just for my own wife and how she has been so helpful to grow my character to grow who i am Uh, and god i pray that you would allow us to do that in the lives of our husbands and our wives lord would you give us those opportunities help us to be teachable in jesus name amen hey you guys have a great sunday and uh we'll see you next week remember if you want to get in a home group Email JT Dora or look for the comment and you can fill out a form. We'd love to get you hooked up.